The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole, the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. We began our Wednesday Lenten study this week, The Case for Easter, by Lee Strobel. In the beginning of the first chapter of his study guide, Lee had an abbreviated quote from C.S. Lewis, taken from Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. It is a quote that I have read many times and has influenced my own theology. But before I, I fully give you this quote from C.S. Lewis, I wanted to share a few things about C.S. Lewis. He was born in 1898 in Belfast, Ireland, but he spent most of his life in England. Lewis was a British writer and a literary scholar. You may know him as the author of the series the Chronicles of Narnia. In Lewis's early life, until the age of around 33, he was an atheist. But through the influence of J.R. Tolkien, the author, yes, of Lord of the Rings, and others, Lewis converted to Christianity around 1931. Going from a confirmed atheist to an Anglican lay theologian was quite a change for Lewis. Lee Strobel, author of many books on the defense of Christianity, had a similar conversion as Lewis, so I wasn't surprised to find this quote from C.S. Lewis in his book. C.S. Lewis' full quote about the person of Jesus, he says this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying that really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a moral teacher, 
but I don't accept him, his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. Lewis continues, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man that's saying that he was a poached egg, or on the level of a man who said, or he would be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man is, was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool, you can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He, was not, he has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Lewis makes this powerful statement about Jesus and his claims about himself and how we can react to those claims of Jesus. It warrants us to kind of step back ourselves and ask, who do we think Jesus is for us? This is the same question that the first disciples also struggled with. In our gospel reading from Mark, Jesus is making some pretty radical claims about himself. Jesus says, the Son of Man, a term Jesus used for himself as the Messiah of God, must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. Surely, Jesus didn't mean what he had just said. Peter especially, who just prior to our reading today in Mark's gospel, declared Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah of God, but in Peter's way, he's always putting his foot in his mouth. Peter, and I'm sure the rest of the disciples, had their plan for Jesus, what he should do, how he should accomplish his kingdom on earth, and who was going to be the key players in this new godly regime. The disciples had put their sights on human things, not divine things. God had another plan for Jesus, one that many today still struggle with. The horror of the suffering of Jesus and the death on the cross. We don't want to think about the sacrifice Jesus made for us because it doesn't really fit into our modern way of thinking. Surely the God of the universe could have come up with a less violent way for Jesus to have saved the world. And what might Jesus respond if we said this? Probably, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. All the claims of Jesus made about himself, the ones that he makes today in our gospel reading from Mark, are very hard to take and understand. Jesus says he must suffer, be rejected, and die. And then after three days, ensuring he is dead, without a doubt, rise again. Many in the Christian faith 
want to gloss over the claims of Jesus. They don't want to talk about sin and suffering and rejection or death. We simply want the Jesus of love God, love your neighbor as yourself. We don't, some even want in our Christian faith, want to skip over Good Friday altogether because it is just too violent. Yet, when we try to skip over the sacrifice Jesus made on our behalf, we once again are putting our mind not on divine things, but on human things. Why did Jesus have to suffer and die? Because God loves us. And God wants to be with us eternally. But the, a holy God cannot be with a sinful people. So we needed a bridge to this holy God. To accomplish his task, God sent the Hebrew people, apart, set them apart from all the peoples of the earth, God's chosen people. We heard about how that started with Abraham this morning. He gave them his laws through Moses, and they could not quite keep the laws. They sinned, and when they did, they created sacrifices to God to cleanse them from their sins. But God was not impressed with their burnt offerings, for the people continued to follow in their own sinful ways. Is in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, it says this, What to me is the, the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs or of goats. Yet God's final plan for us, for because he loves us, was to send his son, the Messiah, a plan to stop once and for all the cycle of sin, sacrifice, and then business as usual. The idea of the killing sacrifice is foreign in our modern life, but not in Jesus' time. Jesus lived in history, and we cannot understand Jesus' claims if we try to take him out of a historical period in which he lived where sacrifice for sin was a common occurrence for the Hebrew faith. I think the Apostle Paul puts it best in his letter to the Galatian church. Paul says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. We are those adopted children of God. Jesus' claims that day were not only to fulfill the prophecies of the Jewish scripture for the Messiah, but once and for all, the problem of sin and death to be resolved. When we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as God incarnate, we are forgiven. We are redeemed through Jesus. We have access to a holy God. Not anything by anything we have done, but by the free gift of God's grace, something we have not earned at all. 
The heart of the problem that Peter de demonstrated in this passage was that he was only looking to what Jesus could do in his worldly life. Jesus, on the other hand, was concerned for Peter's eternal life. In Peter's mind, Jesus' suffering and death this didn't fit into the plan of the Jewish people taking over control and power for their world. Who is Jesus to you, to me? Is he the son of God who suffered and died for our sins, or is he just a good moral teacher? Yes, Jesus is both, but C.S. Lewis has it right. We cannot throw out the suffering and dying Jesus to solve the problem of sin and death and just focus on his good moral teachings. We need to make a choice. We need both. It is hard to follow Jesus' path all the time, isn't it? To deny ourselves, as he said, take up our crosses in order to grow closer to God. We try to do that every Lent, right? By... Um, doing something that will, you know, kind of deny ourselves by maybe giving up something at Lent. I told you last week I had given up sweets. Or did I really mean just the candy bars stashed in the office? <laughs> I don't know about you, but as soon as I give up something for Lent, I begin to look for loopholes. I, I try to lean on God's help. But sometimes the world and stress just gets in the way. Let me give you an example. I was doing really good in my Lenten promise up until Wednesday this week. We're only in the first week of Lent, you know? And then the Interfaith Community Services staff sent our church staff a thank you gift of 10 individual nothing bunt cakes to our office. You guys, you've been there. You know what they taste like. I was doing okay. I could, I could, most cakes I can live without. And then I saw the carrot cake, my favorite. So in my mind, carrots are a vegetable, right? <laughs> and then I hear from the office, and there's eggs and cheese and nuts in there, all good things. Never mind all the sugar and the ton of flour in there. How could I slight our ICS neighbors next door of their hospitality? I had to partake. I was feeling very guilty about this until last night when our associate director of music, Jeremy, who has given up meat for Lent, he's eating just fish. And he told me that him and his wife were out yesterday and shopping and doing some things. And he said, and I had a Sonoran dog wrapped in bacon and didn't even think about it. Thank you, Jeremy, for making me feel better. You see, it is easy for us to convince ourselves that we are doing and thinking the right things, isn't it? But we are all a little like Peter. We all get caught up in our own human and worldly priorities in our life sometimes. But Jesus reminds us in this passage from Mark that we need to keep these human priorities in check 
and focus more on the important things for God in this world. Jesus could have been tempted to walk away from the cross. And he did pray that it would pass. But in the end, he chose the path God had set out for him. Horrible suffering and death for our sins. Death on the cross and rising three days later in order to destroy the hold that sin and death have on each of us. Thank God Jesus did this. For it is not only the good news for all of us here today, but it is the best news we could ever have. As we journey through Lent and beyond, ask God to help you to seek God in your life and not simply your will. Examine who Jesus is for you. Are you throwing out claims of Jesus because they just don't fit your modern sensibilities? Or can we all fall down at his feet and call him Lord and God? The claims of Jesus are hard to hear. They're even harder to keep sometimes. But they are the source of all good news in our life, and not just in this life, but our life beyond. Amen.